This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I'm trying to catch back up because I got the number, the ratio, out of hand. So I'm joined by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? You look uh, confused, confounded. Uh, no, I don't think I was either confused or confounded. I think I have a pretty good grip on uh, what's going on in general. We're doing our <laughs> podcast here. You did your big introduction. Yeah. Uh, made a little reference to who gets uh, thrown to first, has his yeah. tradition. Uh, let's see. I've got, I got a sandwich uh, here that I'm going to eat. Um, that's about it. What's up with you? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, just, I'll just shoot with you here. Uh, I realized right before the show that I hadn't come up with a better way to <laughs> weave in the listener elites and deletes. Uh, so I'm I'm scrambling to do that. And as I was doing it, Mike was like, all right, Aaron, to you in three, two. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. So right before you threw to me, I was in the middle of playing one of my little rhythm games here on my on my sure. handheld device. Um, so I was expecting to be still be in mid song by the time it got to me. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I did complete it with a full combo right before uh, you threw to me to talk. But yeah, my thing was going to be, oh, wow, you know, we actually just got on the call and immediately started recording instead of, you know, usually we uh, stick around for 10 minutes or so. Yeah, we do usually. Uh, but congrats to us for that. Uh, here's my uh, rhythm game question. Yeah, there's a new Bushy Road rhythm game coming out. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, that is correct. I think it's, it might be in like the Japanese beta now. Uh, the great Okan appears to be a fan, um, from his, his Twitter. I mean, he's also, he's also a fan of the VTubers, so he's keeping busy now that he's back in Japan. Uh, but yeah, the new one is about, uh, DJs instead of, you know, uh, uh, girl bands. It's about girl DJs. Okay. Um, and that's really, I think there's an anime also, but I, I haven't really been keeping up on it. Okay, well, I mean, I come to you for rhythm game info. So, well, I'm a little disappointed. They're doing they're doing one smart thing, which is that they intend to expand to the English speaking audience, uh, but instead of doing a whole English version of the application, they're just starting with the Japanese version, and then they're going to make it so you can toggle to English whenever they enable that down the line, which is good because there's a the problem with doing these international versions of the big mobile games is inevitably half of them don't get the support they need in like the English language audience and then they just shut the whole server down or whatever. Uh, but this way, if it fails in English, they can just stop supporting English and all those people can keep playing in Japanese instead of losing all their progress. Uh, so there you go. There's some insight into, uh, you know, globalization of Japanese gacha games. Thank you. I appreciate that, Nate. We are also joined by someone who I'm not sure knows all that much about rhythm games generally, but I bet I'm about to find out. It's Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I would say that my knowledge of rhythm games might be between the two of you. I think I'm fair to say that. Uh, 
I, I was Aaron. Aaron went pretty hard on Bandori for about uh, two weeks. Oh, I, it was I, way longer than that, Nate. Give me a little more credit. It was six, like two, six weeks. Yeah, about six weeks. Would you say? I think it was longer than that. I think, been, a, I think it was a few months. I think you know the characters, so you might be right. I do. I do. I mean, I, I, I do have more familiarity. I will say in Gotcha games. I will say that that's fair to say, as I've been playing a lot of Genshin Impact over the last few weeks. Oh, controversial. Yeah, controversial one. I, I know it's one of the ones that its terms of globalization is very, uh, you know, harried. And I, I'm just going to leave it at that. But, you know, I'm doing all right. I decided to put on one of my newer tracksuits today, and I am really feeling the 90s vibes. And in the 90s, I was involved in theater, and we'll get into a lot of talk about theater on this episode. And I'm just stoked to talk to my friends. I, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm... I'm in a good mental place here. Uh, I'm I'm kind of happy that I'm going to be avoiding what else is going to be going on as we're recording this and as I'm editing this, and that's very good for the your old pal's mental state. So, you know, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm all right. Uh, maybe or maybe not, friend of the show, Julie, did a great tweet about Gacha Games today. Uh, if you... I saw that. Let's not read it, I think. <laughs> I'm not going to read yeah, probably. it. Probably, yeah. Just, you know, push people that way if they know uh, the Twitter account. <laughs> You've, okay. you've got to be in the know. Yeah, you do. You really do. Okay. Here's what we're going to talk about on the show. I, I do this every time, but we talk about the same thing every show. We just go down dynamite. We just talk yeah. about what was on dynamite uh-huh. and what's going to be on dynamite next week. Yeah. So just generally, yeah, you, you really, you do a lot of the same things. Like I thought yeah. it was intentional, but maybe you're only just now realizing it, but your introduction is pretty much the same. You, yeah. uh, you read our Twitter handles I do. Uh, you plug the Patreon. Um, yeah. Talk about our great uh, sponsors. Yes. Uh, that's pretty much. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of your your shtick, I think. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have you know things that I try to do the same every time, uh, but I also you know as we discussed last week, I try to keep things fresh sometimes, and so I just I've started thinking over the last few weeks. I probably don't. Everybody knows by now what we're going to talk about on the show, so. I'll just, if there's something fresh coming up, I'll tell you that. But other than that, just assume we're going to talk about what happened on Dynamite this week. Fresh, 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 fresh take. That's, that's, right. my, that, that, that's my sound bite for that. <laughs> I, however, like having a firm format and schedule. I do not do well when I do not have a firm schedule or plan. So I appreciate that you do this. So, so this is interesting because your complaint last <laughs> week was that Dynamite was too formatted and too uniform. Oh, uh, that is fair. That is fair. I in the media I consume, especially in something in the art of pro wrestling, I feel like there needs to be variety here. But for like a weekly program that's recapping that, I feel like that there's a good idea to have some stability and order there in our crazy lives right now. Okay, well, I will basically based Real on both sides here. Real both sides here. Based on Mike's mental status each week, I'll decide uh, how I'm going to do the, the format. Of the is that going to be a thing where we do uh, Mike Spears mental health checks? I Maybe mean, we could just, if you want to do um, on your whiteboard before we start the, the show every week, if you want to just draw a little like a, <laughs> a thermometer there with, with how you're, you're faring each week. All right. Yeah. We're going to treat this like a teenage sock hop trying to save money for the teen center here on how how high it is and if it's filled up all the way then i'm doing great if it's going really low if it's really cold then that teen center and my mental state is not getting fixed <laughs> okay but also very interesting that your 
touch point for a thermometer is a, uh, <laughs> t- a, a telethon for the teenage the teen center. That's interesting. I wouldn't have gone there, but I like where your head's at. I, I, I mean, I'm just thinking about the media I consume and about how they always want to have a fundraiser see this or uh, the uh, team center in your 80s and 90s movies. So I don't think I'm too far off base there. All right. Well, if you want to know more about Mike's movie viewing habits, head over to at everything AEW. Give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. Please give us a five star rating and review if you use the Apple podcast app. Tell a friend about everything elite. Huh? I heard somebody say that on a podcast recently. I was like, that's good. Tell a friend. <laughs> if they watch AEW, if they don't, I mean, they're not going to get it. Uh, and then if you like to uh, support the show, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Okay. As is customary, I just tried to, I'm used to using two monitors. I just tried to mo- take my mouse from my laptop over to the iPad that I am have my notes pulled up on. It didn't work, folks. So, 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 how's your mental state then? <laughs> it's it's not good, particularly. I um, okay. Am I the oldest person? We're all about the same age, right? It's either you or Mike. Uh, I think you are older. Yeah, I think you're older than me by like a month. Yeah, uh, I'm 34. My birthday was in June, so so, so, so three or four weeks older than me. So for the past couple of weeks i've been having this uh real pain in my hip when i get out of bed (laughs) and uh our bedroom is on the second floor of the house so i have to you know obviously go downstairs like first thing in the morning and like walking down the stairs has been a real problem Mm. and uh so now i'm having to i figured out what the issue is and now when i get up and then before i go to bed i have to do stretches (laughs) and ice my hip (laughs) <laughs> oh wow okay. you don't think maybe it's like your mattress that you're sleeping on like is this an old mattress like let's get really into some normie no this is a new mattress baby okay. we got we have uh is it, fucking... is it possibly too new yeah no. i mean it's not broken in yet like no, the, these are legitimate questions aaron why aren't you breaking in that mattress <laughs> oh no. uh i'm not gonna respond to that um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> for mike's for mike's uh sake also you know i don't want to Sully, uh, my wife's. You, you good just kinda, you just you should have breezed right past it instead of continue to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, now, now people are going to think I don't fuck. Yeah, so that's <laughs> it's disappointing. Uh, no, I, I figured out what the problem is. It's actually like uh, an inflammation. It's not a. It's not that kind of pain. Of like you know you're not sleeping well or whatever. It's mm. like there's something fucked up with my uh, gluteus minimus, folks. Mm. So, okay. Anyway, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I will say, uh, I think I recently said in here that um, I don't like smoke weed or anything anymore because it mostly just makes me feel bad. But on the rare occasions when I have uh, like had an edible or something in my advanced stage here, you you do realize like you get you you know you sort of perceive sensations in new ways, and you're like, oh wow, no, my my back or my shoulder has been hurting for a while, and I just <laughs> didn't I didn't even realize it until I sort of had it like. You know, you just sort of like get used to these sort of small little uh, bugaboos or something. And then when you change your whole perception of it, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I've had a short sore shoulder for like two weeks and didn't even realize it until I got high on something. That's like, yeah, we're getting old. Yeah, I kind of had just written it off to, oh, I'm just kind of, you know, a little creaky in the morning. I just need to kind of uh, get warmed up, you know, but 
then I was like, oh, wait, this actually hurts pretty bad. So it's probably an issue. So uh, anyway, now I'm stretching in the morning and at night. Ridiculous. Uh, that's going to be my delete of the week. But let's get into the the other choices. So we're going to play Elite or Delete. Nate, buddy. Uh, honestly, I know I like to um, editorialize here, this part of the show. But a good show. Hard to pick too many delete so i'm excited to hear what your favorite thing from the show was uh yeah good show easy choice for me here uh because i'm just gonna repeat my same one as last week last week it was kind of like my default option it was just like okay well here's the one kind of bright spot or thing that you can latch on to and have uh, some optimism going ahead on this storyline uh and that was eddie kingston and he was even better this week. And, and I mean, I guess it's sort of <laughs> half the promo that he cut on the show was from last week, in fact, uh, but had a tremendous promo. Should give uh, honorable mention elite credit to John Moxley for his promo in response. Uh, and then Eddie, they, uh, I thought it was very smart. They, they really had these uh, two guys. They're two uh, title match participants going into the big pay-per-view. Uh, just do a couple promos here, but like respond to each other. And that, made it very simple and clear like what the story is and where each of these guys falls and eddie just got like a, oh yeah i'm a you know top american promo guy over the last you know decade plus um and i'm just going to cut a great promo that exemplifies that like it's you know uh no problem whatsoever uh but yeah awesome awesome pair of promos from eddie kingston with an honorable mention to john moxley's promo interceding um, it, Eddie kicks like kind of the face here, right? <laughs> I think that's one of the more interesting things about this is you have a heel with a legitimate grievance going back throughout their career, and you also have like you give the honorable mention to Moxley here, but I feel like Moxley's promo stepped up. Like I like this was the John Moxley style promos that were so lauded before his WWE main roster run. Like he offered like the perfect counterpoint here and being like, yes, yes, yes. And it's like, I'm going to get my friend back. You're so focused on this. And yeah, we were like this, but you're so focused on this and I'm going to make you quit and I'm going to get my friend back. And I felt like that that was a strong promo as well. And hey, with this match now being announced, I am not going to be doing my countdowns anymore. I am not going to be like, complaining that they don't have anything going on the the pay-per-view because now they have this great program that they've locked themselves into because of Lance Archer having COVID a couple weeks ago where they did the impromptu Eddie match. And then from there, they've been able to build like this real compelling story here. And it's really on the back of Eddie's promo work. And another one here that if you're someone who votes in any awards, and if you do not vote for, Eddie Kingston as best on promos or most charismatic or best microphone worker, then I don't know what you're doing because this guy has been cutting the best promos of anyone in the world over the past like four months. I actually think that that was a problem in this story that Eddie seemed like the baby face. And I think they did a great job in these videos of giving a better face heel dynamic and letting Eddie be the heel where Mox set him up for this whole thing. I mean, your mileage may vary on this, but Mox set him up with this whole thing of like, hey, all I did was try to make uh, life better for my family. You know, like I was taking care of my people. Uh, I shouldn't have to apologize for that. And so 
like I said, your mouths can bigger on that. But then Eddie really brings it home by saying, no, actually, I hate who I've become because I had to be bitter to survive because I failed. And it's like, you can see how that could be a face thing where it's like, look, I kind of need some sympathy because things haven't gone my way. But he leans more into like, yeah, I'm a bitter fuck. And now I'm going to take it out on this asshole who the only thing he did wrong was do well. So I think they did a good job of not only giving us a dynamic of, of who to root for, although I think you know people like us will be rooting for Eddie anyway, but also getting a real like story with, with some teeth to it from this thing that, as Mike said, kind of just fell into their laps. Yeah. And that's really, you know, why I was pushing that Eddie Kingston needs to be in this company from the start. Cause he can play any role and he can, you know, take your half-assed world title program and turn it into a meaty story with like, uh, you know, great characters and uh, 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 powerful themes, like in the matter of one television show, like that's just easy for Eddie Kingston to do because he's that good. But yeah, and, and this is sort of, you know, it's not like a real, it's not like a real issue or, or a real debate to be had about who's the heel face and who's the heel. Like it doesn't really matter to the success of the program or anything. It's just kind of interesting to think about, you know, where do you fall on that threshold? But I will say the difference between Moxley just being the obvious babyface here and, you know, maybe Eddie having a, a good point is Eddie's initial promo that was from last week was like, hey, you promised me that you were going to bring us with you. You promised me that the inmates are going to be running the asylum and we would take over that company and, you know, we could be friends up on the big show and make big money together. Like that was the that was the thrust of that where he felt abandoned and, you know, had to grind out all these years uh, in indie wrestling. And then Moxley did not address that. He's like, I'm sorry, I went to make money for my mother. But it's like, well, you didn't you didn't really address what Eddie said. So it's kind of the the um the issue, I think, with Moxley being like pure clean cut babyface here. So I think maybe that's you know, I'm guessing, presuming Moxley wins, but maybe the the way you advance from that going forward is, you know, he doesn't have to apologize for going in making money for his mother and meeting his wife and stuff. But maybe he says, Hey man, I'm, you know, sorry that I, I couldn't bring you with you, you know, or bring you with me. Like, I'm glad you're here finding success now, but you know, maybe that's a sort of where you uh, get some sort of baby face takeaway for both guys at the end of the program. Yeah. And I think that's entirely fair. Um, just, just, just out of pure interest here. Uh, so the pay-per-view is in two more shows. We have two more shows for the pay-per-view before this got announced before the promos. Where was just going to do a heat check? One to ten. Where was your interest and your investment into this pay per view and excitement? I guess before this was announced, and then now that we have this as our top of the line match on the show. I've probably moved from. I feel like all the you know the majority of their pay per views have delivered. So I, I was probably my default starting position is probably like a six point seven five. So I'd say I've jumped from a 6.75 to like a 7.75. Healthy jump, healthy jump. One full point. AB? I probably, I mean, it's hard for me to divorce like everything else we now know about this show. Right. Uh, from before. But I was, I was kind of bummed on the bill. I mean, I think we talked about that. Like, I really didn't think they'd built much of anything, except I knew there was going to be a, uh, a Darby match, you know, Darby versus... I don't know, Cody or Orange. So that sounded okay. But as they said, they've used, they've done a pretty good job, except for that last 
pay-per-view that I didn't care for very much. So I was probably around a five. Um, and now I would say, I don't know, maybe an eight. I mean, I'm pretty excited wow. about it. I wish, I wish there was more doubt about the Mox Kingston result. Sure. That, that would probably really hype me up some, but honestly, I think it's turning out to be a pretty good card. Uh, at least like match wise on paper, like it should be a fun watch. I do. Okay. I wish I could come on and, and do like a, oh, Eddie should win thing. But I kind of kind of uh, blew that spot on Brian Cage. And in retrospect, that feels silly. Like Brian Cage should not have won the world title there. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it still would have worked. But yeah, I wish I, I wish I could do a, uh, you know, talk myself into Eddie Kingston winning here. But just don't don't think I can. And you see, that's not hurting my enjoyment of this. Like, I feel like that they've put a very interesting program out of something that seemed like that they were that they were leaning towards, but we were kind of getting to the point. It's like, okay, where are we're we going to go with here? And I probably went from like a three to a six. Like, I, I, I'm ready to see what the rest of the piece is going in here. But this is as a top line match. This is probably the most excited I've been about a top line match on the pay-per-view since Jericho Moxley. Like, I feel like that this is, has that much investment for me. So I was just wondering where y'all's heads were at going into this. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I think I was the one, it was, I think it was on this show where I said, like, I don't really buy Eddie versus Mox as like a pay-per-view main event. And part of that is because, there's no fucking chance that Eddie Kingston is going to be the world champion in AEW. It's just like not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So that makes it hard. I've got, I'm, I'm going to find a way to talk. Just to, <laughs> I, create, I look to create the window, the tiny it. window. Up. Okay. So, um, cause they're going to, they're going to crown a, the number one contender on the same show. Yep. They haven't done a world title change on television. So Eddie's, Eddie's going to be the two week transition champion so that Kenny Omega can win the belt without him beating Moxley. And then you can do Omega and Mox at the next pay-per-view. Yeah. So there's a theory. Yeah. All right. You were saying. Yeah. I was just, you know, I didn't think it really could stand up. I will say, now I've got my own investment in Eddie Kingston, but I think the promos have done a good enough job to make it feel like a really important match, like a heated match. I have no idea if your like average viewer who'd never heard of Eddie Kingston before is as invested. Um, I don't know how I would find those people, but I would love to know if, oh, how excited they are about this match. Um, so I don't know. I just, I guess part of why I'm so excited about it was I talked myself into, it can't be the match. They have to come up with something bigger. And instead they were just like, no, this, yes, we kind of backed ourselves into it, but it's hot. So we might as well go with it. So that's like, something that I really appreciate. Okay. No, no. And if you are someone who is coming into Eddie and like this as like a complete new person to this, I would love to hear like opinions on this. Like, like hit us up on Twitter. I would love to see this. Eddie's like, Eddie's such a wild thing because if you come from like watching WWE, Eddie has like, he doesn't have a great body. He doesn't look like a guy who can beat you up. You know, like his gear is kind of goofy. Well, oh, I think he's a guy who can beat you up, but he does not look like he can beat you up in a wrestling way. Right, right, right. Of, oh, yeah. I mean, Eddie Kingston would beat the shit out of me. I want to be very clear about that <laughs> in case Eddie's listening. Uh, I don't want you to check me in person. He doesn't but, look like Chris Masters. Right. 
or Brian Cage. You know, he doesn't look like those guys. But at the same time, he has this talking skill that is unparalleled. That is like when they used to talk about talking you into the building, Eddie Kingston can actually do that. So I just now your WWE fans have been so like brainwashed out of, I guess, in a way, like people being able to talk at all. So I have no idea if that affects them now. I don't know. It's very interesting to me. Yeah, that's um, it, like if you want to point at the one thing that AEW uh, can do that is like the antithesis to WWE style and why you can look at this and say, hey, this is a genuine alternative where they're going to give you something different in American pro wrestling. You can just point to like any of four or five Eddie Kingston promos or uh, you know, nine or 10 John Moxley promos that are like, Hey, here's a person speaking like a human being, not using bizarre verbiage and just like connecting with you on an authentic level about what this match means or what this guy means. And it's like, that is like the appeal of AEW in a lot of ways. And they did it multiple times on the show and delivered in every, every single one. Uh, just the other good thing that's like increasing my anticipation of the pay-per-view and this match is like, the stipulation was earned by the build. Like they're doing an I quit match because they kept doing these matches where the guy didn't tap out and he got choked out. So it's like, oh, great. That makes sense to go to this instead of just doing, uh, we don't have any other ideas. So we're going to do a clusterfuck, uh, you know, no disqualification match just because, you know, uh, we love stips. All right, Mike, your uh, elite pick from this week. So the one thing that I've gone back and found time today to go and watch is, and it's all up on YouTube is the Kenny Omega versus Sunny kiss match. Like they have it up there as like a full five minute thing, including the intro of Kenny Omega. And this was always something that we had in the back of our mind or in the front of our mind. So we talk about, it's like when they're going to start heating up Kenny, when are they going to start heating up Kenny? And it's not just that they did this, but they did this in a way of how much they like talking about Kenny Omega reinventions. The fact that they've had a, full-on 1990s Chicago Bulls-style entrance for him with, like, his own, like, Alan Parsons project kind of music being said, as, like, he meant, as is mentioned, like, his accolades and once they wrestled in North Carolina to the fact that he has his own cleaner dancers come out to him, like, standing in, like, the pose with just, like, him in the entrance. They've really gotten into doing stuff with the entranceways in the tunnels, like, having something up there and having, like, the curtain there where it's, like, looking like he's, like, a completely changed man. And they have even more like kind of like vaporwave, chill wave music kind of playing, like psyching up and then going right into his entrance there. And then having a match that was just uh, Sunny Kiss eating a, a V trigger and then taking the one wing angel and that's it. And Kenny just like sits there with the image that's become kind of a meme of like a, of a look on his face that's not even like they satisfied. It's that he's bored and it's going to be really interesting over the next three weeks how they do this with Kenny. And how they, they they're openly saying it's a reinvention, and he immediately is going to have a match against Phoenix that is going to be like, is this a reinvention? Is this him like trying to put it out there that he's now tapping back into this, or is this a Kenny that's like, yeah, I did all these things, I am so good, I am someone that beats Sunny Kiss in two moves because I am someone who should beat Sunny Kiss for two moves. What's going to happen when there's actual challenges in front of him? What's going to happen when he have Phoenix, one of the top ten wrestlers in the world? going up against him and with this reinvention of Kenny Omega, what is that going to be? And I find that incredibly compelling and very thought provoking. And I thought that this was an interesting way 
of doing a reboot in a way that's so over the top that it's like an advertised reboot, not just like him putting on real tights and becoming a man, becoming the big bout machine, the house show tights, the cleaner. Like this is actually like them saying reinvention of K Omega. And I'm interested in seeing where it goes. Yeah, it was really good. Um, don't really, you know, it was the funny. His inter- introduction was funny. Uh, it's very funny that Dave Meltzer doesn't understand that his introduction was meant to be heelish. That's funny in its own right. Uh, I mean, yeah, he killed the guy, squashed him, beat him. This company could use just more short matches and definitive victories. And that was another strong point of the show is they had so many matches that they were forced to do, you know, fewer of these, uh, you know, blow away PWG kick out of everything. Uh, big matches that they have kind of fallen into a pattern of doing. Yeah. My, my long-term um, Kenny take is that they, blew their chance on making him like a huge, you know, worldwide star by not uh, running with him much earlier. Uh, And I stand by that. That said, I think the way they did this was about the best way they could heat him up at this moment in time with like what they have and who he is today. I definitely have not cared about Kenny Omega probably since he left New Japan, maybe like at the very beginning of the AEW run. I mean, before the New Japan run was over even, by like Okada Omega 3, I was like, okay, I've had quite enough of this. And I was like hype after this. I was so excited. I think it's great. Uh, I'm excited for this whole run. I am interested to see what they do because like, yeah, Phoenix is one of the best wrestlers in the world, but not in this company. I mean, he's been like <laughs> a tag guy. So Omega really shouldn't have that much trouble with phoenix but you know they're not going to do that i'd be stunned well you're i think you're totally right except they did have phoenix show all this shit off on this show in a great match with pentagon so yeah they mostly relegated them to being like the tag team that's you know competes with the young bucks to be the best tag team in the world even though they're not in the tag title picture at any point um but then they did just go out and have like I think the best single match on the show is Phoenix versus Pentagon. So, you know, I hope that'll be fresh in people's memories next week. And that'll be a good excuse to like have him and Kenny go out and just do a bunker sprint. All right. It's my turn. Well, you guys have taken the two things that I liked the most off the show. So I'm just going to go there. I'm going to say not the whole segment, but the musical number is going to be my elite pick. I'm going to defend it. And here's why. Number one, it made all the right people mad. So you have to enjoy it from that perspective. Number two, if you're going to have a literally a weekly television show, you have to do some shit occasionally that is unexpected and is something that hasn't really been tried in this way before. And a lot of times... Uh, you're going to have to fail just because you're trying to do things that are interesting. Uh, To me, that's way better than just doing the same stuff over and over every week. But in this particular scenario, I think it really landed. Like when it started happening, I kind of thought like, oh, is this going to a musical thing? And then it started and I was like, huh, it's going to a musical thing. This is going to be really bad because the segment started out really bad. Like this whole steak thing uh, was not funny, but they it's 
I, I am sadly a theater kid. And one thing that really stuck with me that a theater uh, professor told me while we were working on a show was right or wrong, do it strong. And so even if you forget your line, whatever you can think of, you better say that shit like you mean it. And they did this like they meant it. They were committed to it and they followed through with it. Uh, so I thought it was really good. I like it. Yeah, I think it doesn't really matter to me if it was really good um, for the reasons that you said. Uh, first of all, I always respect a big swing. Uh, and this was a huge swing. Um, so even if it doesn't land with everybody, you have to respect that. Uh, I super respect just the effort that they went to to pull this off. Uh, Meltzer and the Observer has some details about uh, the recording of the song and getting the rights to the song and you know doing choreographing and taping this thing all night. Um, it's, I just appreciate the level of effort they go to do something different on TV and not you know hit the same uh, uh, booking by numbers formatted television thing that we were complaining about. Um, and yeah, they also they just committed to it. Uh, Kath on Twitter said, you know, uh, a bad idea executed well just becomes like a good idea. And this was like, started off, they were sitting there doing their steak dinner and like on a what was very clearly a, a, a fake set. And that immediately was like, oh, this looks like a fucking WWE skit. They set up a curtain backstage and they're here in their tuxes or whatever. And they're pretending to have a meal. This is just like, this is cringe. I hate it. Uh, but when it became clear that that was necessary because they were going to pull the curtains back and do a big dance number. I was on board. I was just like, Oh, okay. It, the point of it is how fake it all is. Um, and honestly, it doesn't even, it's not even that outrageous that this could happen within the realm of like, a, a, a some sort of real sporting league. Right. So my my comparison point for this is I was in a, a a fantasy football league and all the guys were like super into it and they would do, uh, <laughs> like they would you know cut promos on on the teams that they were going to face the next next week and stuff. This is like a you know keeper league people took very seriously and all this stuff. Uh, and they would like you know one of my friends like dressed up as Mike Ditka and like did a whole you know basically a, a, a short scene that he acted out with other friends to like basically talk shit about his fantasy football opponent. And it's like. If Chris Jericho's in that world, he's happy to do that to to stunt on other people or something. He's happy to go over the top and sing and dance uh, for the purposes of making himself, you know, look like a big deal and talking down to somebody else. So it's within the realm of Chris Jericho's character to just do this for the sake of doing it. Yeah. And that's like one of my big takeaways about this is, as I've kind of talked about a lot. Chris Jericho plays this uh, this uh, just absurdist character in this. I mean, this is a guy who had an episode of Dynamite on a cruise ship because he wanted to have an episode of Dynamite on a cruise ship. He is someone who's had multiple celebrations, some for no good reason, but having a celebration like this, it makes entire... like I understand the, like, the, an argument being said that, oh, this is in my wrestling. I'm completely against it because it's in my wrestling. I don't want this to have in my wrestling. And it's completely discordant. I understand that initially, but I think that you look at how Chris Jericho has portrayed Chris Jericho and this character. And I'm doing this under like the, the guise of like uh, criticism here. Like he, this is not like a complete betrayal of his character. And the only argument I can say for people that counter that is, Oh, well you just, you treated this like a legit, legit thing. All they had to do. And that thing is say, 
hey, we got this tape from their dinner. We don't know what's happened here, but we're going to – they sent us this tape of what happened on their dinner. And then you can completely see that's them clowning on the idea of them having, like, this big, like, smoke and mirrors dinner. And then they instead have a complete just uh, uh, Hammerstein, like, uh, performance there. And I think like, that's something that's, like, so remarkable because they did commit to it. They did make this big swing. Now the argument can be made that they've done a lot of these big swings before and it has gotten interest from people who aren't normally like what we could perceive as regular AEW viewers. And we don't have any sort of correlation that like when you have Katie Nolan tweeting something or like Spencer Hall talk about things that, that have happened on the show that is not converted into permanent viewers. That's fine. That's that's a totally legit, legit thing of is this worth the screen time? But for the idea of saying, like, this is not what should be happening on the show, it lands false. Because Chris Jericho, if anything, the, the number one character trait we have is Chris Jericho in AEW is that he is the most egotistical person. So, of course, and he has such a high fluent opinion of him. And MJF is someone that is very much in the same realm that, of course, they're going to take, like, the serious sit-down dinner and turn it into, like, a Fred Astaire number. Like, it's fitting into their character. It's not betraying the character's motivations there. The Rogers and Hammerstein Ballroom. Rogers Hammerstein volume, absolutely. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. So, I mean, th- really, this is so on the same show. They had Darby Allen doing a drop into a pipe in a body bag with Steve-O. and this is the you know, that's they're like the same thing, just for different characters, right? Like, there's no explanation for why they would put a tape of Darby Allen doing that on this television show that's supposed to be about the sport of pro wrestling, except that it's American pro wrestling and you want to get your characters over and like they want to put on an entertaining show. So that it totally fits for Chris Jericho. And that does like, you know, they make a big deal also about, Oh, we don't want invisible cameras backstage. And the segment started with an invisible camera at the steak dinner, which doesn't make any fucking sense. So really in doing the big song and dance, they're acknowledging that. And probably the best part about it was just them coming back to the steak dinner and getting their, you know, raw meat slapped on there and coming down and doing the, uh, you know the grounding bit and been like, oh, this was this was a mistake. That was that just brought it back to Earth, really, and I think was the one joke that actually landed. I want to quickly comment on the the casuals thing because I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, this is a play for casuals or whatever, and I just think that's not true. I think it's a play right down the middle of their fan base, like the people you're like average person who watches AEW loved the Rick and Morty tie-in early on in AEW in Charleston. Uh, you know, they love all this stuff that that Jericho does, even if us and some of the people who listen to this show think it's goofy from time to time. Uh, the AEW fan base clearly loves it. The AEW fan base loves Orange Cassidy. Not that it's the same, but you know, like this type of stuff, right. yeah. they really enjoy. Uh, so I just think this is what, not like for... 90 minutes every week, but I think this kind of thing is what AEW fans want to see. Nate, I don't want to steal this point from you, but you've made it very well. And if you look back at all in, and if you view that as like the founding document of AEW, it had the fucking penis druids on it. I mean, I know we shouldn't talk about that anymore, but it, it is uh, what, and people went crazy for it on that show. So, I mean, I think it's, it's fits it, yeah, it it, to their audience. Yeah, and you had uh, you know Jay Lethal doing a, a Macho Man cosplay. You had it all there, uh, and you also had what's important is 
you also had the series stories. The You had the variety. You had Cody Rhodes doing the sports challenge for the NWA title that his dad had. Uh, and you had that told over all the NWA vlogs leading up to it. That's that's what AEW is. If that's not what you want AEW to be, that's totally valid. Uh, but it's it's time to accept. I think that's that's what it is. You know, having two great Eddie Kingston promos, a great John Moxley video promo, just old school pro wrestling talking you into the building. We're having a serious you know feud about our relationship and the title belt, and I'm going to choke you the fuck out. And that's going to coexist with MJF and Chris Jericho doing a honest to God song and dance number with cheerleaders as backup dancers. That's just what AEW is. And, uh, you know, that's if, 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 if that's not what you're looking for, I understand, but that's a you problem. Cause that's what it's going to be. All right. We also take, uh, elites and deletes from our listeners. So if you, uh, are interested in having us read one of your elites or deletes on the show, you can either join our discord and put them in there. Or uh, at the end of every dynamite, I throw up a tweet and you can respond to it with your elites and deletes. Uh, a listener elite from this week coming from our discord discord user. I am the table said his elite was Hikaru Shida getting her friend an extra payday. Uh, if you were, if you're really clued in on the AW lore, you know that Jack roar of the Jaguars cheerleader Keiko Honda who is a uh, Japanese native, is a Jaguars cheerleader, and has become like very best friends with Hikaru Shida. They post like just the cutest shit about each other on Instagram. So if you just like to ship people, uh, you know, it's, it's worth following them for that purpose. Uh, so yeah, uh, Keiko was not only in the uh, the cleaner part, she was one of the, of the, the sweep uh, ladies, but she was also in the MJF Jericho segment. So congrats to Keiko and congrats to Sheeta for getting her friend there uh, for an extra check. Keiko's all elite. We need the graphic. Drop it on us. Two, two contract Keiko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need two contract Keiko for sure. I do. You know, uh, uh, professional cheerleaders are like uh, famously exploited. I don't know that there's been any such... Uh, accusations about that for the jacks for the roar of the jaguars um but like you know those contracts are typically like oh you do all these team events and that's just like part of your twelve thousand dollars a year salary or whatever because it's you know purported to be like a uh a part-time job or whatever that you take after your full-time job it's a passion all this stuff um so yeah hopefully it is that she's getting per appearance checks i i am definitely wish casting here that they're paying her extra well, uh, I think we need, this needs to be another item that we take to Tony on the when they, they does an express conference call. You know, how how are the roar of the Jaguar being compensated when they appear on national television here? Because uh, yeah, they need to be getting separate checks. And yeah, I was looking. Uh, Keiko has fewer followers than us on Twitter, which is insane to me. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know about Instagram. Maybe Instagram's more of her uh, uh, her home field, but uh, on Twitter, I was like, wow, that's doesn't seem right. Well, we don't have an Instagram, so she's definitely beating us there. Um, let's see. She has she has uh, 6,050 followers on Instagram. Okay. So she's probably put a little more into her into her brand there, I suppose. But yeah, she's very cool. Uh, she works for the Jaguars. If you want the Jaguars to work for you, you got to head over to mybookie.ag. 
bet on them, baby. You can put uh, elite, put that code in. You'll get 100% deposit match up to $1,000. So that means you put in 100 bucks, they'll give you 100 bucks for free. You put in 1,000 bucks, they'll give you 1,000 bucks for free. What all we got going on? NFL, we got uh, the World Series is going on. We have all the crazy shit that Mike bets on. Uh, we have college football. I've got I've got some college football picks going on this week. So there's plenty uh, you have for college football. Well, I just I just take off our our good friend uh, Thomas Fishbeck over at VOW. He posts some uh, some lines. Now I don't know where Thomas gets his lines, but sometimes he'll post something and it'll be like, okay, uh, well here's an example. He posts. All right, I've got Appalachian State minus 10 versus Arkansas State. I go over to my bookie uh, where I've already put in the promo code ELITE to get my 100% deposit match. And Appalachian State's minus 14 at my bookie. It, I'm it not sounds... buying four points. No, no, I wouldn't buy four points there. Uh, yeah, no, we, we're, we're deep in the heart of League of Legends uh, uh, World's Finals right now. We, we're down to four teams to decide who are the who is the best uh region in the world it is two chinese team one korean team one european team i'm sad to 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 announce i don't know if we talked about this before aaron no north american teams got a group stage yet again so who who's That's not surprising really yeah uh who is your favorite uh team in the league of legends uh world championship i'm just going to name the four teams and you can okay. give me your opinion uh can you, can you tell me where they're from also yes so this first matchup is between both chinese teams Sunning okay. Gaming or Top Esports. So Sunning or Top Esports. Who are you picking okay. there? Oh, I have to pick one of each. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh the, against each other, head-to-head semifinals match. Okay, well, um, I'm going with Top Esports. Sunning reminds me of Leaning, which Dwayne Wade tried to make those shitty sneakers happen, and I was just against it. So I'm going with Top Esports. That's fair. That's fair. Nate, who are you feeling there? Top Esports or Sunning? I'm going with Sunning. Um, I think if I think these finalists prove that the key to having a strong esports and League of Legends presence, you have to have a strong and functional cent- central government, uh, which of course Korea and China excels at. So, uh, you know, we only have ourselves to blame. Yep. And then the other semifinal, G2 from Europe versus Damwon Gaming from Korea. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, G2 because I like the the Gatorade G2 gimmick, the grape. Uh, so that's, that's going to be my choice. Yeah. Dan Wong for sure. Uh, of course, uh, you know, Korea famed for their RTS and Starcraft skills. Uh, League of Legends, of course, is a heir of Dota, which started as a Warcraft mod. So, uh, you know, their skills should translate there. Uh, I'm going to pick them to go all the way. All right. Feeling that it'll be the first time that Europe has won a world championship since season one of League of Legends. And you could bet on all that on my bookie.ag even as time we're recording about how the debate you, you can bet on the debate there baseball the world series is still going on it's happening in my stadium of the ballpark in arlington that is no longer there is now globe life field there's you can bet basically go on anything f1 i mean you could even they have simulated games you can bet on if that is your certain like that's, itch you want to scratch that's wild uh I'll, i will give my picks i'm going heavy on service academies this you got to go for the triple option. I like it. I got Air Force minus seven, Cincinnati plus two and a half, Georgia State plus two and a half, Navy plus 14. So I'm, I'm heavy on the service academies and the dogs this weekend. I mean, so I, 
I like that Navy plus 14, to be honest. Well, I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. I do. Yeah. It, it's, and you can do all these on, my, on mybookie.ag. Use promo code ELITE. Yeah, and if you use that promo code, you could go bet on all those and uh, for with zero uh, risk to you. So uh, head over there, mybookie.ag, promo code ELITE, 100% deposit match. All right, let's move on to the Delete section of the show. We went long on Elite. So I guess we'll probably also go along on delete if I know I, us. I, that was my fault for asking the pay-per-view questions. That's okay. That's what we're here to talk about, baby. Uh, but actually, there wasn't that much bad on this show. So this might be difficult for us. So Nate, give us your delete pick. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to delete. I don't know how specific I want to be here. Main event segment was. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, I'm setting these things off. It's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network the big tag team eliminator uh which largely i guess i'll go straight to the angle the angle was uh <laughs> the young bucks being attacked from behind by uh, a masked assailant who was the timekeeper hit by a chair and then laid out by FDR who came down from the commentary desk. Um, don't really, I, you know, we've talked at length about how this feud just lost whatever steam it had from the 
pre AEW days where they were taking shots at each other on Twitter and on BTE and shit. Uh, and since they got into AEW, it's just gone from a thing where they were like kind of seeing eye to eye. Uh, and then both teams kind of made simultaneous heel turns. Uh, now FDR was clearly laid out to be the bad guys here, even though all the time spent on the young bucks over the last few weeks was how they keep super kicking staff members, you know, to get too concerned about who's the face and who's the heel again is like kind of, I think working contrary to AW's intentions. Like I think they want there to be some flexibility in those roles so that they can have more complex characters theoretically, but yeah, just the feud's not working. That doesn't help that now you spent all this time illustrating at length that the Young Bucks are dicks and then making your main event angle, we need to get sympathy on the Young Bucks. Uh, you also had some guy in a mask come in and hit him with a chair, and it was just revealed to be Tully Blanchard, their manager, who's with them every week. Like, that's not a reveal. <laughs> that's that's not anything. Like, just have to be Tully in the first place. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, what I wanted it to be is I wanted that to be Brandon Cutler because that would have been a story and a progression. Uh, and it would have made sense of what they're doing on BTE, but that's not what it was. So that just kind of, after this really strong show, uh, I thought the ending fell pretty flat. Yeah. And I get that they're pot committed to bucks versus FTR, but by far with the exception of the world's women's title, which we know nothing about at this point, least hot title going in here with the weakest champions into a feud that, should have been money. It should have been something that we didn't feel like we're backdoored into. But to be honest, the backdooring feels so deserved because of how heatless FTR has been and how the Bucks, like, it's like this was always the end game. But like getting there has been, felt like it would be like the easiest layup, like the easiest way to get there. But FTR isn't who everyone thought FTR was, except for Aaron Bentley. He knew who FTR was and has been proved right consistently from the get here. And it's just one of those things that having Tolly as a surprise attacker and just, it felt relatively heatless on a show with a lot of heat. Like, like the reaction there was like, yeah, of course they attacked them. Oh, mask guy. Oh, it's Tolly. Oh, that's your manager. Okay. Oh, you're going after Matt Jackson's ankle. Well, I guess he will be back and we'll have to fight off against it. Like it did not, nothing in this feud felt deserved. Just felt like it was preordained. They're just checking off the list. Yeah, I'm going to hit our, our listener deletes here because uh, it, this was common in our in both the Discord and on Twitter. Uh, Bella Randolph said, not enough has been done to justify the Bucks versus FTR. So this is a little different than what you guys are saying as far as like the story doesn't make a lot of sense, but also the matchup even happening doesn't make sense. Uh, Bella says the end to the main event was flat. This match has always been a foregone conclusion, but neither team is currently in a great position. Uh, Danny Hernandez on Twitter also said, uh, delete FTR slash Young Bucks. No real steam. Ship has sailed. And yeah, it's just like, so they, they've kind of done, they've made two big mistakes here. One in that the match that's there, they just haven't built it to where like anybody should be excited about it. They put up these t-shirts that are like dream match, Young Bucks versus FTR. It's like they just decided, well, people were excited about this three years ago. So they're still excited about it now. But then on the other hand, as Nate was saying, they just like didn't do a story. There's like, there's no story to speak of. 
Uh, I don't I don't know who to root for. I mean, I know they want me to root for the Young Bucks, but I don't know why. And why did they do all this thing with them the super kicks? Like I just I I want some explanation. It's the they're doing the exact same thing that Kenny is doing, where it's oh I'm going back to the old me, and you know we're going to be pricks now and we're going to be really good, and that's yeah, what people like, are going to like. The, but the, it doesn't work. I don't know. I'm I, I, that that works, I guess, broadly. Hey, you know, the elite is all going in the same direction. We understand, like, Young Bucks and Kenny are tied at the hip. It makes sense they do the same thing. Um, but it doesn't make sense in the context of the FTR feud. Because what has FTR done? They wouldn't shake their hands and couldn't shake their hands. And then they were all buddies and drinking beers. And FTR was kind of dicks too. One of their friends, uh, and then they told their friend to get over it, and they broke up with that friend, and now the Bucks and FTR are at odds, and FTR kept like talking shit to them backstage and saying like you should kick us instead of staff members. I don't. It, the the feud that they've gotten to is has nothing to do with where all the original heat was. The original heat was with you know on BTE, the Bucks talking all this shit about them and. FDR talking shit about their style back. And now that's just not related to anything whatsoever going on in the story. Even, even, yeah, I don't get it. They, they basically already did the story with best friends. Like <laughs> that was the same like idea. And yeah, we, it feels so far removed from like, you remember that segment with the rock and roll express and Arn and Tully and like this big whole thing about the clash of styles and like, what is the, What's the right way to go? You know, the Omega Tanahashi story, but it's just, yeah, it's forgotten. It just play. Uh, I don't know that's forgotten, but it's played no role in like the last, whatever, four weeks of television. So very strange. Mike, your delete pick from uh, this week's show. So, I mean, this was the big overall thing of something that's happened on the show that's worth deleting. And I'm totally with you on that, Nate. Let's talk about stuff that's not been on the show. And has not been on the show nearly enough and has felt shoehorned in to how things were with All Out. And let's talk about like how things have gone since then. Let's talk about the world title. Let's talk about the women's world title. There's been no direction whatsoever for who Hikaru Shida's real next competitor is. They made the big thing about Nyla Rose being the next person up at on Dark with uh, Vicky Guerrero saying that she's pulling Nyla from contest until she gets her title match. Cause now has been, I believe ranked number one for a long time. And then you have Britt Baker coming back and now on a win strength is only ranked number five. Where is this supposed to go to? And where is this supposed to give any justification to who Hikaru would be defending against? There's no, there's the, it's to a point now where they have run through everyone and they have such a, like a, a small ship, and you're not even building up the people who you want to have as your new stars. Uh, Ty Conti is coming back on TV next week. It's the first time we've seen her in what? About a month, other than her being in the crowd and her like 15-second interactions with Anna Jay in the Dark Order since signing. Like That's all we, ha- we have here. And, and it's something that like they've hit the mark for the build for the men's world title match. Like there's nothing, I, We've talked at length about that. They're reaching the point with with the TNT title with Darby being getting next up, and now they've executed their big thing for the tag team titles, but they've completely forgotten about Hikaru Shida and the women's world title. 
and it's to a point now that it's it, it what well, we used to look like oh yeah hikaru she is there she was in the crowd for title belt we haven't even had that over the last two months and it just makes me wonder like what direction can they make in the next two weeks to make anything feel deserved or earned or is this now not just only the throwaway that it often seems like to be but just like thrown onto the card because i feel like that's now a legitimate concern and criticism that can be brought up about whatever they're going to be doing with the women's world title. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It just seems there's no care. It doesn't seem like they care that they should just have, you know, they finally got like some good paced things here where they were doing quick matches and then hitting people for 20 second promos. Like you should be doing that with like, two or three people in the women's division instead of just like not having anybody featured on the show at all. I don't know. Maybe if I want to do a whole lot of work for them and want to like give them, if I want what's the opposite of devil's advocate. If I want to play the Jesus's advocate for Tony Khan. No, uh, if I want to play an angel's advocate for Tony Khan, you know, Jack Evans did a big thread that was like, you know, I don't, we didn't know how to pitch stories for ourselves. You know, we just didn't, uh, I was in a good place. Uh, physically to have my wind back so you know i wasn't performing up to my standards and you know i don't have experience writing stories for myself so i didn't know how to assert myself in this company or whatever maybe if you want to be really generous to aw like oh the women aren't coming up with their own stories or doing you know shooting their own promos to put them on tv like uh like a darby on or whatever but i don't think again they're they're all coming from places where you didn't do that at all. And they weren't writing their own stories like Cody and uh, Kenny and the young bucks have been doing in ring of honor and in new Japan. So you kind of just have to do it. You kind of just have to give them the opportunity to do those things. And, you know, you know, exert, exert some care in the division to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could certainly see that like, most, if not all of them, have never had to do that. You know, it's never just been something that's asked of them, like, come up with your, what, what do you want to do? What are you doing? So that's one thing when it's uh, Angelico and Jack Evans, and it's like, well, you have this stacked tag team roster, so it really doesn't matter. It's like, well, you guys just get forgotten. But when the women's division, if that, if, and I'm willing to go with this, if that's what you're like waiting on, you have to make something happen if you're running this company. It's like, oh, wait, these women haven't been expected to do that in the past. We're going to have to really put some thought into this. And as I have uh, laid out extensively uh, on the Patreon, the old State of the AEW episode, that State of AEW that we did, um, when Kenny Omega has been in charge of the division, it's been clear that he had a vision for it. And when anybody else has been in charge, um, well, Brandy even had a vision. It's just bad. But when <laughs> Tony Khan has been in charge, it's just clear that he has no interest whatsoever in uh in really having a, a featured women's division and it's been perfunctory like it's been something where like we always know like after the third match the next matchup will be the women's match and yeah, it'll get just, about six token shit it, it's tokenism and it's the spreadsheet stuff that i was talking about last week like it was like that's where the spawn the spreadsheet is for the women's stuff is right before the main event so it gets like and, and there's probably some like numerical backing on why they do that and that's terrible but it's Seems like that that's their plan with Tony running it, where at least like when other people were in charge of the division, as you said, that there's things of interest there. Like there's people that they have a direction to might not be good, but at least something's happening versus now where 
how is a viewer supposed to be like Abaddon, who has just not been a part of things for so long, who's kind of had the whole Yuka Sakazaki Memorial third rank position in the women's rankings for these months and has not been on TV. And she's going against say Conti, who's, as I mentioned earlier, not really doing a whole lot there. So it's like, how can anything happen there? Because I think you're right. Like maybe it's something that piggybacking on the uh, Jack comment about not knowing how to pitch, then you need to empower. Then you need to be like, all right, obviously we've seen something here. We don't like how this is going. And maybe this is our own failing on preparing you for like this kind of thing, but we want to hear from you. How about everyone come in with things like this and let's focus on this. But I have no confidence that's ever going to happen. I mean, do you all? No, I think it's time to call an audible and the women's division has to be centered around Hikaru Shida and Keiko and just find a way to uh, make that everything that you're focused on going forward. Yeah. They need, they need somebody to somebody in charge of writing the stories for that division. And then they just have to give it time. Like look like we don't in the, Outside of this promotion, it was like, oh, okay, we got a nice little B feud with uh, Nyla Rose attacking Shanna at the autograph table or whatever. That's like mostly restricted to dark, but at least there's a story there. Uh, but no, now now we have no story, and like <laughs> one talent member beats one non roster member on the show per week just so they have a women's match. It's like not, it's not anything. It's not. Uh, my delete for the week. I'm gonna delete. It's a double delete, baby. It's uh, Doc Sampson and Rick Knox are getting deleted from me. So Alex Reynolds uh, got knocked out in the uh, the main event tag match. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Blade seems to have realized he was knocked out because he dragged him to the corner. And I mean, he had to have realized it because he had to reach over and literally pick his hand up to tag. Yeah, him. not not to. I don't. I don't know if we should limit it to double because there was also a lot of other guys in there that didn't really do shit. Like he, yes. Blade realized it and still like I'm just going to drag your corpse over yeah. here. Not yeah. not great either. That's true. But least I bad, agree. Least bad out of these people. But I agree Maybe. with whoever I saw say that there's one person. There's at least one person whose job it is to keep up with whatever is happening, and that's the referee. First of all, Rick yes. Knox. Mm-hmm. Rick Knox, without a doubt, either did not notice or did not give a shit because he didn't do anything. Alex Reynolds is like laying over by the corner, just knocked out, and nobody's doing anything to help him. It's insane. Rick Knox appears to just have literally never cast his gaze downwards. And yeah. It's even, like, even then, it's like, you have peripheral vision. I don't know. You've got to look around, buddy. But then Doc Sampson, I think if you look at the Matt Hardy situation from the last pay-per-view in the Sammy Guevara match, you look at this. Uh, he comes across as a guy who is there to do Tony Khan's bidding. And has no independent, uh, leg- not legacy, agency. 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 Uh, he is supposed to be a doctor. He's supposed to be putting the health of the uh, athletes first. And he's clearly not doing that. So either um, he's not being empowered by Tony Khan. And so he needs to quit and tell them, you know, I, I can't abide by what I'm supposed to do uh, and do this. Or... He is failing miserably and he has to be replaced. I'm not sure, you know, who's fucking this up, but uh, he's doing a bad job. Rick Knox did a bad job. Delete. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I, I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that either of them are failing what they're supposed to be doing. I think they're both probably doing what they intend to do. Um, but that's not what either should be doing when you have somebody who's like unconscious again. Yeah. It, it's absolutely possible 
actually, I think most likely that this is an AEW problem that's being uh, that's top down to the people who are supposed to be taking care of this. Um, right. So, yeah, it, that, it, that's a real problem. <laughs> no. And it's something that we brought up on our instant reaction that this was an institutional failure. Like what happened there was an institutional failure that whatever system it is failed the wrestlers, just like how it failed Matt Hardy at at All Out. And it's one of those things that it should not be the wrestler's job to be like, oh, this person is knocked out. He's most definitely concussed. And the only reaction we've had from him was like a was a fence reflex reaction from him. It should not have been on Blade to be like, oh, we need to get him out of the match and then do something that you're not supposed to do and dragging him to the ropes. Like it should not be on him. It should not be on the the fact that he sits on the outside for the remainder of the closing stretch. And like the one thing I'll say is at least one person who seemed like after the fact noticed something was up was the uh, post-match stuff, the post-show stuff where they showed Cody Rhodes coming out there and like looking and like, trying to figure out what was going on there because it was clear that some people on the chain were completely disregarding it and it's an institutional failure. And it's something that I can proudly say it's an institutional failure because now we have past president. All right, let's move into the ratings. Uh, AEW now back in this thing where they kind of, from total viewers, kind of bop up and down each week as they were doing for a while. So back down to 753,000, the exact amount they had two weeks ago. 13th in the demo, up from 15th. uh, Stable at a .30, which is where they were last time. NXT, again, not charting. This is four weeks in a row. They've been 50th or lower. 644,000, a 0.16 in the demo. This is now NXT's second longest streak outside the top 50. They are closing in on like this, and it's a plateau. I mean, AEW yet again was number two, a non-sports, non-news thing on cable. Uh, Real Housewives is winning that battle. Maybe that's the next war is with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, maybe. But really, not a whole lot of takeaways with this. It's it will be interesting the next two weeks. Uh, the World Series will be up. And then, of course, being the day after an election with this election, that could be a big disaster here. But I think that's a, a as like I always like to preach here, as I'm not someone that really looks into the quarter by quarters, I look at the environmental factors, and that's going to be affecting everyone equally. And AEW performs very well versus everyone else in an environmental status. And NXT is NXT. Yeah, if you're Tony Khan, you got to be rooting for a Joe Biden blowout so that it's just over on Tuesday night and and nobody's like glued to their election results on on Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to want that. You're going to want I think the World Series per, and I know you maybe keep a little bit more up on this AB than I do, but I think game 7 would be next Saturday, next Wednesday. So you could be having game 7 and you could be having uh day 2 of any election drama. Yeah, so in except NBA where I don't have a team, I just watch the game. In other sports, when I have a team, when my team loses, I quit. Oh, so, so you're not paying at all. I, so I you're not just paying attention. Care less. No. All right, then I will do the legwork myself as someone that I will still keep tags on the World Series, yeah. even though the Rangers were the worst team in the AL, number two draft pick, and things are getting much worse, much worse, and they're actually having the World Series and the new ranger stadium have i mentioned that before and how that bothers me because <laughs> that's what's going to because they're doing the world series in globe life field and looks terrible yep. yeah game seven would be on wednesday all right so yeah tony rooting for one of those teams to win win quickly so uh 
Let's move into the rundown of the show. We started off with uh, Wordlow Day, baby. Wordlow yeah. beating Jungle Boy with an F10. This was really fun. This was something where I would love in 2022 or 2023 if they ever like do this to be like, so, so what exactly was your plan with Wardlow? Because it's so interesting that like his only televised pinfall he has taken in a singles match was against Cody Rhodes in a cage match. And he went, went here again. I mean, jungle boy basically just bumped his ass off for Wardlow. Wardlow looked like an absolute hoss, the hunkiest of the hunks did a sick power bomb, did a great F 10 and, you know, didn't even do his rising knee attack. Like he did not need it here. And he won with that. And, you know, that's an interesting thing. When we on light, we're picking our brackets, AB. This was the one match where we had differences that we thought would go differently. And this would be deciding it. Actually, no, I'm wrong on that. I like No, that was Phoenix and Omega or Phoenix and Penta was our, yeah. our difference. This one, we just both got wrong. We both thought yes. Jungle Boy would win. So, so but so uh, our, our reasoning was that Wardlow is probably not going to win the thing. And so why burn Wardlow versus uh, Adam Page? Because then you got to find your way out of that. Yeah. Um, although, on the other hand, we bitch so much about how they built up Adam Page the first time. Him getting a win over Wardlow, it's like, that's a real win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Wardlow's been protected. Wardlow has been, has been absolutely protected. And that's one of the things I find real interesting uh, uh, and why I want to talk about this is I want to know, like, okay, what is this basis behind this, like, do you have plans for him or are you going to end up feeding him next week to Adam Page? Like legitimate thing there. And I find it very interesting. Next up was when we started seeing the uh, Eddie Kingston uh, promos and the Mox promo. This is like the first one. Eddie has another one later, which we've talked about already. And then Kenny Omega defeated Sonny Kiss. Uh, yeah, as, as Mike was mentioning, these first two matches are both in the title eliminator tournament. So these were first round matches. Uh, so... Wardlow advances, Kenny Omega advances. Um, Orange Cassidy is with Tony Schiavone, and he does a bit where he answers questions as if he is Bill Belichick. I really did not understand this this bit at all, uh, <laughs> and I kind of hate. I mean, I knew what it was, but I don't know why it happened. I kind of hated it. I mean, it's like pop culture, you know. I mean, sometimes you get one thing, sometimes you get another. Uh, I do like the idea that uh, Orange Cassie only like follows like big things. So like he follows Bill Belichick and it's like whatever Orange Cassie canon is, he knows who Bill Belichick is. So we can definitely put that in the list of Bill that Orange Cassie tries when he wants to. He is obsessed with Fast and Furious movies. He has a Jan sport for his title belts and he has a Superman punch. But he also knows who Bill Belichick is and finds him amusing. Uh, Dasha greeted Cody and Arn coming up to the uh, the arena there. Cody says he's not surprised that AEW wants a rematch between him and Orange Cassidy. He's just surprised how quickly they want it. There are whispers a stipulation might be added. Had to whisper that. Uh, but he thinks Orange didn't get it done last week in the time limit. He's not going to get it done next week. Dasha, you know, uh, hypes up Cody here, points out that he's gained 14 pounds. I love the very specific weight gain. <laughs> And Cody says, hey, I needed to be a heavyweight in a light heavyweight company. Uh, Dasha, the greatest investigative reporter in AEW, I think it's fair to say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, asking the tough questions. Uh, we'll get into the uh, stipulation. Like that was one of the things that we were maybe going to talk about the leads, but we'll get into that stipulation when we do the rundown for next week. But 
I mean, that's I, I thought it was funny that Arn Anderson still dresses like a 1980s dad with a, a t-shirt tucked into his uh, golf shorts with a belt on. I, I was hoping we got a pan down. We got semen Birkenstocks. That was my big hope out of this. Uh, I mean, uh, Nate ran away. I mean, it's not uncommon for one of us to have to go to the bathroom or something, you know, so that's that's normal. But now I'm starting to get worried. It's been a little while. Uh, so I hope everything's OK over at uh, the, the Nate complex. Uh, but that's why you're not getting any Nate takes right now. Uh, this was then the the other Kingston uh, video promo that we talked about. And then, yeah, we had Phoenix defeating Pentagon with a destroyer. I'm learning the difference between a destroyer and a Code Red. Um, uh, how do you not already know the differences between that? Because they look very similar to me. Um, and I don't know moves. I think that's established. I don't know. Well, the well it's not, moves. it's not like the knowing moves thing. It's like a destroyer has been a known quantity, Aaron Bentley for at least the past decade and a half. Yeah. And to me, the code red looks like the same move. I feel like we've had this conversation before, <laughs> but I'm going to further illustrate a code red is an arm track pendulum power bomb. It is also known as Yoshi tonic, both amazing red and great and super Shisa from Dragon Gate and, and Yoshi Hashi. Uh, Yoshihashi doesn't do a, a Yoshi Sonic. He really should. That'd be really funny. But the, the, the interesting thing about it is that these two guys, I mean, there's no way that uh, Super Shisa knew who uh, Amazing Red was. They developed right. them at the same time. Uh, Canadian Destroyer, based off of... Uh, P.D. Williams, I know that, P.D. baby. Maple Leaf Muscle, P.D. Williams. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love this match. Uh, it was something where these two, like, they were willing to kind of do like this, and there was like a moment, like, Eddie Kings was on commentary, and there was like a moment where uh, Phoenix did something that was somewhat dismissive of Penta. And he and Eddie was like, oh, my best friend doesn't like that. And I really enjoyed it a whole lot. Uh, this was a brother fight. And there's a few things that are more enjoyable than when a brother faces off in another match, in a match of another brother and therefore only one brother may win. Uh, Phoenix got his bell rung partway through this match on a Enziguri to the top rope where he kicked uh well, where he got kicked by Pentagon, Pentagon, he was able to kind of reclaim himself enough to do that to Harrison to a destroyer at the end. But this probably was my favorite match on the show just because I love these two guys together. And this is why I'm getting hyped up about best top 10 wrestler in the world, Phoenix, coming out of this. Yeah, this is one of the best TV singles matches, I think, that's been in this promotion for a good while. I, I mean, I thought it, it was good down the stretch, but at the beginning, I was like, oh, they just have decided to phone this one in so it's just going to be one of those no, that's that's just part of their act yeah i just lost it they, they lose me with that so i was like okay but then i was like oh they're doing some stuff down the stretch they did a lot of stuff they did a lot of stuff they did no it got fun i liked that uh i guess i just didn't need like the whole oh will finnick will pentagon like really hit his brother hard and i'm like okay just like do cool moves i don't i mean they didn't do any fucking gargano shit it, I mean, there was a point where he got spiked on his head and like Excalibur tried to like cover for it for a minute when they were trying to figure out if he was, you know, okay. But yeah, those guys are going to hit the shit out of each other. I'm not worried about it. Somehow uh, not featured in the elite section of the show was when Miro showed up on this show. There was a hype video for Miro and Kip versus the best friends. Chuck Taylor says, what they did to Sue's van was on purpose. We broke your video game by mistake which was pretty funny. And uh, Miro says, look, I just got here. I'm trying to be cool with everyone, but you broke my stuff. I hate that Alan is apparently an initialism or an acronym. That's oh, doing too it? much. 
Yeah, Kip spelled it out at some point, uh, and it was stupid. That makes so. it a, an initialism, I think. Yeah, so it was stupid. I didn't know that. I thought they were just calling it Allen, you know. Well, they were, and then he's like, oh, here's what Allen stands for, and it was, like, just bad. Kip Sabian just ruins everything, you know? Like, they do so well in the UK, and they made such a point. <laughs> was JR, JR did that aside where he just talked about how great they're doing in the UK? Was that on the, the cable broadcast, or was that just on Fight? I don't I, remember it. Yeah, I don't okay. recall it. Okay, it must, it must have just been on the international feed then. Because, like, Excalibur was talking about something, and then JR literally just starts, like, reading from that graphic that Cody posted that's like, <laughs> here's how great we're doing on in the UK. Uh, and then ended, and then Excalibur's like, uh, okay, well, as I was saying... <laughs> <laughs> And they couldn't spend the one sentence saying, hey, we got this video in from MJF and Jericho. He has to read off that thing and said. Yeah, it was funny. But it was uh, it was more of a non sequitur, I guess, if it had just actually been on the, the TNT broadcast also. Right, yeah. Alex Marvez is with Colt Cabana and the Beaver Boys. Alex Reynolds does a bit where he says they have an opportunity tonight and he just keeps saying opportunity. Uh, Colt Cabana keeps calling the Beaver Boys his friends, and they uh, want no part of being called Colt Cabana's friend. Uh, he says he doesn't; he's not feeling any pressure tonight, which makes John Silver very mad because he says the Dark Order is under a lot of pressure. Uh, he also tells us the Dark Order is going to be at ringside next week for Orange Cassidy and Cody, and then he flexes and and screams at us, basically. Yeah, good good promo by John Silver. Um, I do. I have I have an issue that John Silver really loves the Dark Order but hates everybody in it, <laughs> except except Mr. Brody Lee who like treats him like shit and slaps him around and stuff. Not anymore. But, Not anymore. Right. He did. He was the one guy who showed up. So Mr. Brody Lee was like, "Okay, I'm going to be a little nice to you, or whatever." But hates five. Hates Colt. Hates Stu. Uh, I you know might be lukewarm on Evil Uno. Uh, uh, is scared of Anna J. Yeah, terrified. Yeah. Uh, he really only seems to like Brody and Alex Reynolds, uh, but he just loves the Dark Order. Anyway, and he wants people to join. He still wants to recruit people, and maybe he wants to recruit people he doesn't think sucks. Maybe that's why he's the recruitment expert. That could be he, it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the next match was uh, another first round match in the title eliminator tournament. Adam Page defeated Colt Cabana with a buckshot lariat, and after the match, the Dark Order helped Colt to the back. Yeah, another good match. All these tournament matches were good. I'm always uh, what I I usually just see Mike from like waist up, so I see him in like the jacket. But when he stands up, it's like, oh, that's a whole fucking salmon <laughs> tracksuit you got going on there. Yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. Uh, next was a I I guess this was supposed to be a Sammy video, right? At first, I was like, wait, who is the video of? But I guess Sammy is now. Uh, a fire starter. Uh, and he basically says, uh, Matt Hardy, it's not over till I send you home for good. And he's burning a picture that says 11, seven, 20. He should have the prodigy. This is entrance music. Remember that? Remember the <laughs> prodigy? Yeah. Smack my bitch up. I remember. There you go. I, uh, I stayed up till like whatever time to watch the debut of that video. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was there any particular, I mean, I remember it was obviously a very famous video. Was there something that drew you to to stay up for the debut? Yeah, it was it was banned. Or like they could only show it at like whatever time at night. Uh, uh, okay. So and I was like, you know, an edgelord thirteen yeah, like, year old oh or whatever. God, I, need, I need this. Yeah. But I loved Firestarter, you know, so Right. I was like in on Prodigy. Sure. Yeah, I know. Very Ballyhooed. 
yeah, uh, but then, band music video, sure. Yeah, but then you add in that, like, oh, you're not supposed to see this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I was very excited. Uh, Team Taz is on the ramp. Taz says, we have a couple of problems. First, Will Hobbs. A few weeks ago, I made you an offer to join Team Taz, but we haven't heard from you. What are you, a top guy now? You better get back to us soon. I thought he turned him down originally, so I was confused. I don't think that. he had an opportunity to answer before Darby came out. I guess that's what happened. Um, he says, second, Darby Allen getting a shot at the TNT title at full gear. It burns my ass, which, you know, it's very, um, what's the word I want to look for? Uh, Evocative. Evocative. It, I was going to say it brings to mind an image. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was something that like just him like doing this, like this was like the most has in his element promo. Like, yeah. this. and then, and then Ricky had a good line too. Like whenever like they have these two and then you have, then you have Cage say his catchphrase and that's it. It's a good time. Yeah. He, when, uh, I, when I think of Taz having his ass burned, I think of like Yosemite Sam. I imagine it was a little Yosemite <laughs> Sam. It's like, ah, Bugs Bunny burned my ass. <laughs> Uh, Taz tells us that he stopped by Tony Khan's office today who told him that if Ricky Starks had beaten Darby, he would have been the one in the TNT title match. I love that they gave us uh, retrospective stakes for, for that match. Hey, the, the beauty of BTE is how many things they retcon, and I appreciate Taz coming out here and retconning like two stories and also keeping the uh, 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 Willie Hobbs story alive. Just like, if he's not going to be on the TV, it's great for you to mention it, and then it just keeps that thread having some momentum until the next week waiting for the, the Will Hobbs tweet where he says, if my mama called me Willie and my daddy called me Willie at Epitasis can call me Willie. Why did I say Willie? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you know what? I do. I had to email a guy named Willie Garcia today <laughs> about three times. So I got, Will, I got Willie on the mind. Shout out, shout out to Willie Garcia. Big Willie style. No, that didn't go anywhere. That was an no. album. I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> just referenced just, an album. Just like, just Willenium. a slight reaction. <laughs> Let's just save Will Smith album title. Those are the two like, parents just didn't understand. That. I don't know if that was a full-length album. <laughs> Welcome to Miami, Buenos Vias, Miami. That was on Will. No, that was on Big Willie style. Yeah. So I, often, I, I tied it in. I tied it in. I often say to my wife when she asked me to make a decision about something, I say, I don't know. You're the rapper. I'm the DJ. And uh, I don't really know what it means, but it is a reference to Will, Will Smith. Okay. <laughs> I like that line though. I like it. Thanks. Appreciate it. I, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know if I do like it. <laughs> I, would, I would be frustrated if I was her and she kept saying that to me. So she's very frustrated. Trust me. Le <laughs> uh, Dinner Debonair was next. Tony Schiavone could not pronounce it. Because that's um, an important thing is you're supposed to make the decisions. This is what I've been told anyway. Like, like deciding where you're going to eat, so on and so forth. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, this sounds problematic. Nate, are you saying the man should make the decision? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's move ahead. I have, you know, <laughs> just, I, you know, I generally try to be agreeable and go with the flow and have been said, you know, a lot of women like it when you make these sort of decisions. Well, okay. That's true. I mean, I have heard that in, uh, in the dating world. Mm -hmm. that, uh, sometimes it's just nice, you know, to not have to think about it, which is true. I agree, but uh, I'm bad at making decisions, so. Ladinner Debonair was next. Uh, Keiko was back. Uh, then Britt Baker defeated Kylan King with the locked jaw. It's good. Britt Baker's yeah. good. Britt Baker's yeah. good now. Kylan's good. Kylan, I am glad that Kylan got some like TV time because she has been someone that 
has really taken to dark and has always been solid on it. So more of Kylan King like that. She's good. Sign Kylan King. Yeah, I mean, more of just like literally any women. Anyway. Right, yeah. Next up, Darby Allen was with Steve-O. Uh, yeah, we've kind of already explained what happened here. <laughs> uh, Darby, at the end, uh, gets out of the bag and says, fuck, I'm winning the TNT championship. That was good. It was good. Uh, yeah, then the the main event, the Young Bucks defeated the Butcher and Blade, uh, private party, I almost said the private party, and the Beaver Boys, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Matt reversed a roll-up, rolled up Isaiah Cassidy, uh, his shoulders were very clearly not get not down for the three count. So I don't know if that'll be a thing. But it's what happened. Yeah, they uh, they subverted the finish of the private party versus Young Bucks match. That private party previously won uh, and had it go the other way. So, you know, Young Bucks are, you know, if not good for noticing when a guy is unconscious, they're at least good for like tying those threads together between matches. I can't imagine remembering how that match finished. That blows my mind. I do. Excalibur I do. told us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Excalibur. It was well, a flash you know, that's, that's also great. Like, you have the young bucks go, hey, Excalibur, uh, we're going to do that thing from the first match in this match, so you should shout that out. Like, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Very it's helpful. Just, it's just Kanye funny to me good. when people are like, oh, I love that callback. And I'm like, how do you remember what happened? Like, moves yeah. that happened in a match. That's I, My brain doesn't work that way. It it works. It's spotty for me. It has to be something that was particularly notable. But you know, not being someone who ever goes back and re- rewatches old matches or anything, I certainly don't have the memory for it. Thought some people do. So, how much longer do we think that they're going to keep on playing up the fact that Private Party beat the Young Bucks once? Because their entire pack- run in this company. Because <laughs> that it does feel like that that they're only like real because Matt Hardy wasn't with them this match. Like they're only like big character trait now is that they pinned the Bucks now a year and three weeks ago. I mean, I, it is good to give that weight because it didn't have any weight at the time because it was like the first fucking week of the company or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, they have to beat them again. I think when they beat them a second time, then it can be like, oh, now they've really beaten them and they've arrived. Yeah, that was the show. Uh, they tried to destroy Matt's leg at the end. So I guess that's uh, going to be the story going forward. All right. Uh, if you enjoy the show, if you're big fans of ours, and I know you are, head on over patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, we do a lot of audio over there. This week, Mike and I did this is Chris Jericho looking back at the entirety of Chris Jericho's career, starting in Wrestle and Romance up to. Uh, what was the last match you watched? New Japan, the the, the Moxley, or no, not the Moxley match, the Omega match in New Japan. Uh, I thought it was really good, so I think you should go check it out. Folks have told me that they love this series. This is ooh, a great that, that this is some of the best content we do. So go check it out. It was an absolute blast. We got to talk about wrestle and romance if you're nasty. That's right. Uh, we also did light as we do every week, where Mike and I preview Dynamite, review Dark. Nate runs down BTE and any other vlog content. Nate, did you, in fact, I saw it suggested to you, did you, in fact, watch John Silver on A Shot of Brandy before the show tonight? I did. I did watch it. Do you um, plan to recap it on light? No, I could recap it for you now if you like, if you're nasty. <laughs> uh, Brandy brought in uh, security because they were keeping kayfabe that he was in the Dark Order and uh, the Dark Order beat up her and her husband. So she had security there with them. 
Uh, John drank a lot. John did uh, had a lot of personality. Popped off the screen. Um, probably the most masculine single person in all of pro wrestling at this point, I would say. Uh, they cooked chicken with some spite. They air air fried chicken, I think, and then ate it. Uh, John told some stories about uh, meeting Brody Lee and Shakara. Uh, told a story about. Uh, joining a wrestling school at like 15 or something. Told a story about going to Trent Beretta's house when he was like 16 or 17 and going to the basement and drinking a lot. And then Trent being like, hey, let's uh, let's drink some raw eggs. And they did that. Um, and also there was a Trent had a fan that was there at the time. Uh, that was weird. Uh, yeah, you get a lot of quality John Silver popping off. Uh, and then at the end, here's your spoiler. Um, they're going to say goodbye, and Anna J comes in and goes after Brandy. Ooh. Oh, yeah. This so all right. Just got a little teaser. That's a taste of the recaps you get. That's yeah. That, I mean, every that's, week. that's probably the best one I've ever done. Um, so if you're no, 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 don't it, say that. Don't say that. <laughs> that's the worst one you've ever done. Um, okay. Wow. Thanks. So much. <laughs> no, that wait. No, uh, that, that was that was actually act. a representative. That's it. That's it. accurate. What you get on the I don't Patreon. know. The ones I do. So on the Patreon, I'm just recording them by myself. So I don't have anybody uh, interrupting me to, to call my recaps bad or anything. So I do <laughs> I do take a fair amount of tangents. Um, I, I did a deep dive on the model home at the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium where they appear to shoot some of their BTE and Sammy G vlog segments because uh, I was very fascinated by this weird multi-level condo with marble counters where they were all hanging out. Um. Yeah, that's about it. All right, we'll sign up. Next month, November is going to be a very big month on the Patreon. It's our anniversary, our year anniversary of doing a, a Patreon. Also, Obviously, there's full gear, so we'll do an instant reaction show for full gear. Uh, I think Mike and I have a This Is Cooking. So there's there's lots of good stuff coming up next month. Head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Five bucks gets you all the audio we do, all we've ever done. Um and we have a year of fucking content. So there's I guess, plenty I guess of stuff. I need an there. idea for an anniversary show, listeners. <laughs> yes, we need some ideas um, of what we're going to do. But it, whatever we do is going to be big. That's that's my promise to the listeners. You're saying for an anniversary show in particular. Yes. Yes. I do. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say this because I haven't cleared it with uh, the other guys yet. But special guest for the 100th episode of our main show which is okay, coming up. Yeah. This is episode 95. Uh, it's clear with me. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Uh, I'll, I, I'm just teasing it for now. I'll tell you all who it is here in a few weeks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, I'll tell you guys right now, but I mean, uh, yeah. but I'll tell the wow, listeners. I would, be, I would be extremely mad to be a listener in this moment. <laughs> I'd be so fucking pissed at you. I, I, I will say this as a tease for Patreon in November. This is one of three people in AEW that I'm uniquely prepared to do all the research possible for, for this is it is someone that I've gone intimate with their history over the last year. And it is someone that is, I will argue no one has done a podcast about this person to the depth that we probably will do. And it's not That's Shima. <laughs> it's not Shima. And it's not Shima. Is it, is, is it KTB? Like I wish it were KTB. I bet we could get KTB on the Patreon. <laughs> I would love to have Brian, KTB. Brian, I, I know you KTB. have his business card. 
<laughs> slide give me his deets i want to hook this up we'll, we'll have a talk with ktb on the patreon if we can make this work i feel like that's a great anniversary plan getting ktb from the okay now i feel wood. like we booked ourselves into a corner yeah this was bad, this was oh, bad. Oh, oh, oh no i'm i'm speaking things into existence y'all know i have this power by now that i speak things into existence i want to have um, ktb on the patreon i love the previous thing you were speaking into existence was uh, having a catch with masato yoshino and i don't sorry mike i don't know that that's happened that was going Nate, to happen Nate, if it was have for, to do this if i just it wasn't have to hold for, them to account because he will just say these things regardless of the truth <laughs> it was going to happen we were it was agreed to but then COVID happened mm. COVID happened. I'm just I, you know maybe you should speak COVID out of existence we'd all appreciate it <laughs> yeah actually Mike. you know what that's a that's a that's a much more fuck, useless Mike? Use, yeah what the fuck spears <laughs> now, this now he's just more... having a cough with yoshino Okay, nope. that the boo. God damn it. That's no, all man. for me. I'm leaving. I'm goodbye. <laughs> Luckily, we're almost done. Next week on Dynamite, the fucking TNT title is going to be a lumberjack match. Cody Why is there Orcastity. a lumberjack match? There's no justification. If anything, it should be like. Well, I guess. Uh, who's it? Orange and Cody? Orange and Cody, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't find a justification. Yeah, I mean. I guess anything... the Dark Order came out during the last one, right? And, and Orange ran him off with the belt. I guess that's the justification. So Orange is so the Lumberjacks are keeping the Dark Order out of this match to get a clean finish. What about the fact that the first match went twenty minutes and twenty minutes was enough? Maybe we should have a thirty-minute time limit. Maybe that's the stipulation that makes more sense there, not yeah. a Lumberjack match. Yeah, or just like there must be a finish, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. after twenty minutes, the lumberjacks should start entering the ring and slowly getting closer and closer <laughs> to the center, so it's like the wall is closing in. And, and all they're doing is yeah. they're spinning, they're spinning the straps, they're spinning the belts, whatever they have, like like they're doing like this. So it's like propellers. So instead of bouncing off the ropes, you bounce off of getting smacked in the in the shoulders, and that encourages them to get to a finish. My thoughts exactly. Boom. <laughs> uh, they'll have one of the semifinal matches in the title eliminator tournament: Kenny Omega versus Phoenix. Uh, this should be great. Uh, Ty Conti versus Abaddon, as we as we talked previously. Are, are we going to see a repeat of Ty Conti losing to Abaddon and then joining the Dark Order? That's what happened to Anna Jay, of course. Mm. Hope they hope they make some hay of that. And then we'll have a town hall meeting to decide if MJF will join the inner circle. Here's here's my question. This has to lead <sighs> to MJF and Jericho at the pay per view, right? I'm so annoyed. I was just thinking of oh, remember all that fucking god awful election shit they were doing, and now it's a town hall oh, meeting. Oh yeah, I forgot that that is what that is. That's bad. Christ. And it's going to be the week before the election. That's bad. Did, were, do they think people were dying to see more of that? I don't. Get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Um, I think that's all we have to talk about. Really, we're building the full gear card here, but we still got a few weeks to talk about that. So I guess I would say find us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and head over. Won't you to patreon.com slash everything elite, but don't just go there. Like subscribe to the Patreon, please. Uh, and we'll give you some content. I think that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. 